Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I am Brian. I'm here with my co-host and good friend Ashvin. Today we're talking about Videodrome, uh, released in 1983, directed and written by David Cronenberg, starring James Woods, Debbie Harry, Sonia Smits. Uh, I picked this movie just because once you get into horror movies, I think you just kind of become aware of this movie. It's on a lot of top whatever horror movie lists. Uh, it's on. It's also in this book that was published called A, a Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. So maybe I've heard of it that way. And David Cronenberg's kind of a prominent horror director. Um, so I wanted to watch one of his films. We've already watched one, Ashvin. Do you know which one it was? No, which one? The Fly with Jeff Goldblum from 1986. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I can definitely see the similarities there. Yeah. Yeah, it does have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting that... Uh, I mean, I had n- actually never heard of this movie until uh, you recommended that, that we watch this. I mean, where... So you, you think you've read it in some list or something? Yeah, I was actually... I, was, I meant to ask. I was like, I wonder if Ashvin's heard of it. Uh, yeah, I saw it on... I think I have... That I have referenced the Slant Magazine list before. It's just kind of my reference for like horror movies I haven't seen yet. I think it's probably on there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just like I feel like I've seen the cover images from it a lot too. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Okay. I, ju- so- I feel like I just know that David Cronenberg and David Lynch are two like prominent horror directors that I haven't seen much of their work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just surprised. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like the more I read up on it, it sounds like it is kind of like a cult classic. And you know, being someone who enjoys scary movies, I, I was just surprised I'd never actually heard the, the this name. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, I'm glad I picked it. <laughs> is, is, is David Cronenberg uh, uh, like has has he done outside of this and The Fly? Like, was he a is is he a horror movie director or were these only two horror movies he did? Yeah, he's done a lot of horror movies, and he's branched out as well. Um, let's see. What else has he done? Uh, he did one called The Brood, uh, Scanners. Scanners is also supposed to be like a horror movie, right? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I first knew about Scanners like as a kid because I really liked Wayne's World. Uh-huh. And there's a... Or maybe it's Wayne's World, too, where like somebody's freaking out. And one of them goes, you ever see that scene in Scanners where that dude's head blows up? <laughs> like as if this person's head's about to explode. Sure. So from a young age, I was aware of Scanners. Okay. Um, and I think I actually like, at first wasn't even sure if it was a real movie or just like <laughs> something a movie within the yeah. Wayne's World world. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess, um, I guess it's a legit thing. Yeah, and he did, um, I referenced this movie once before in one of our discussions, A History of Violence hmm. with Viggo Mortensen. Okay, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen that. was from 2005. That's okay. a good movie. Okay. That's not a horror movie. Uh, it's kind of like an action drama. Got it. Okay. Maybe a bit of a comedy. <laughs> action drama slash comedy. <laughs> it's not something not, not a combination you hear too often yeah 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- thanks for putting this on on my radar. I mean, really interesting. And and uh, this guy's a Canadian uh, director, and it, this is this was like considered a Canadian film, right? Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, which which go ahead. I, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it. Um, yeah, watching it, you know, it's. It felt like a, a very '80s movie, and and also the, I I feel like it felt Canadian. You know, like if you consider some of the Canadian <laughs> movies we've watched, like uh, Ginger Snaps, or even that um, you know we recently watched the Christmas Horror Story. Uh, I, I could kind of see. I, I feel like this really plays to uh, the the horror culture that's in Canada and in these Canadian films that that we watch. Yeah, it's kind of like they have a certain tone. I can't really put my finger on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's something slightly different than uh, than like the American horror films. I think. I, th- I think you probably just feel that way, like going to Canada or meeting someone Canadian. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty normal, but something's different. Yeah, something slightly different. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I know in the movie they like reference North America. Yeah, and like nobody. In the U.S., references North America. <laughs> I know. I we just care that. about America. Yeah, yeah, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, I didn't really know it was Canadian, uh, and uh-huh. then uh, they said that, and I was like, "That's weird." And then afterwards, <laughs> I researched it, and was like, "Oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense." Canada sees themselves as the partner, uh, as as part of the greater continent of the North America, whereas whereas the U.S. would all be about you know the American mentality and everything. Yeah, it's all us. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's really funny. And and this film takes place in Toronto, I I guess. Yeah, yeah, they don't like go make go out of their way to tell you it's Toronto, but right. you can kind of piece it together. Yeah. Um. And, well, and, I'm gonna do a quick. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and, and uh, I mean, I'm sure we can talk about this later, but it's just funny, like the, the references to America during the, the 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 movie, like the way they talk about Pittsburgh and LA, like that they're like really sunny places. That, that, that people go out and like Pittsburgh no, no one ever thinks it's like a sunny place but I, it was just kind of funny if that's like the Canadian mentality that it's like some sunny uh, getaway I thought that was irony but maybe it wasn't yeah man, maybe you're right maybe, maybe they were being uh, clever about it yeah yeah um well okay quick plot synopsis just a short one uh there will be spoilers ahead but for now just a spoiler-free brief description. Uh, James Woods plays Max Wren, who's the CEO of a small television station that kind of specializes in trashy TV. And he stumbles upon a broadcast signal that depicts realistic torture and murder. He embarks on a search for the source of the signal so that he can potentially add it to his station's programming. He's always looking for something more edgy. Um... And the more he learns of the truth behind the signal, the more he loses his grip on reality. And what would you call this genre, Ash? I, I mean, it's it's kind of like sci-fi, psychedelic, uh, technologic, technologically uh, afraid, or uh, you know, uh, maybe futuristic for its time. Uh, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think? <laughs> psychedelic. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> That guitar solo right in the middle of the movie, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's right up like a right up the alley of like Pink Floyd or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely like sci-fi. It's kind of a psychological horror. Mm-hmm. With, um, with like bo- a hint. body horror. Uh, sorry, body horror. Yeah, have you ever heard of that genre? No, no, but I, I can definitely see that. 
Is, is that a, yeah, a David, real genre? It is. This is like a subgenre, and David Cronenberg is considered one of the originators oh of my the genre. God. Body horror. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's where I see like the the connection between this one and the fly. Like they, they both kind of uh, hit on like mm-hmm. people and, and like dis- disfigurations of, of people of, of themselves and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, body yeah. horror. I kind of I went on Wikipedia and it's characterized by graphic transformation, degeneration, or destruction of the physical body. Interesting. Um, wow. And like every horror movie deals with like the destruction of the physical body, so it's kind of like a specific. It's like a person experiencing. Yeah. The it's almost like your main character is experiencing these tr- changes or like. Yeah. Uh, painful experiences. Yeah, is that supposed to be? Um, do you remember that that book by? What's that story from a long time ago of that person who like wakes up as like a, an insect. Oh, like a centipede or something. Who? I don't know if I'm familiar with that. It's like a, a Kafka thing. It's, it's this big philosophical existential uh, story, which yeah, I, I can't remember, but it's, it's like really famous. I, I wonder if that's like what's influenced the whole uh, the, the, this genre of, of like body images and, and disconfigurations. I think it's definitely influenced by some you know authors pre pre movie area yeah. era. Although when was Kafka big? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about with that Kafka story. Yeah, I feel like I read this story a long time ago. It's like the transformation or something like yeah, that? Or? Yeah, exactly. Something like that, yeah. Oh, what's it like the the transmutation? Something like that. Yeah, yep. That uh, Yeah, that's kind of what I feel like is, is almost resembled in, in these movies that Cronenberg uh, does. Yeah. Can um, I give you some examples of body horror? Yeah, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> Alien, which is kind of sci-fi but like the aliens popping out of the stomach that's when you get the body horror yeah that's that's like one scene though right I and mean, that, that's not like throughout the movie that um that that is playing to that body horror image is it uh i think it happens two or three times okay. but only once to our main character in that movie okay yeah all right uh, you ever seen the movie audition uh i haven't no actually i want to see that have you seen that oh god i haven't i don't want to see it again it's brutal <laughs> you sure uh, what about the human centipede? Is that an example? Oh yeah, I'm sure it would be. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it on the. I found like a little list of them, but yeah, that would definitely be. Okay. Any other ones? Uh, Any other black, ones? black black swan, cabin fever, oh. the flies on there, Hellraiser, Slither. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I never saw black swan. The one with Natalie Portman. You think that's a that would fall in this genre? A little bit. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but there's definitely body horror aspects in yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this sounds familiar, yeah, because she's, like, ripping off her nails and, and things like that. that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not crazy about this genre. It's kind of, like, hard to watch and, and stomach sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I am either. Especially, like, Hellraiser. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a decent movie, but... Yeah. Not my cup of tea. I think Hellraiser was the one where you and I were had picked different movies that week, <laughs> and you watched Hellraiser, and I watched The Hills Have Eyes, and we talked for like yeah, ten minutes before was... real, realizing we watched different movies. Yeah, that was a flop. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah okay so so yeah body horror i i, I guess yeah i mean it's interesting that, that that's like kind of a, a theme that we, we have seen uh, used a lot in uh movies it's interesting um one thing i love about this movie so they stumble upon this pirate signal um like a broadcast signal and I think I read somewhere, though, I couldn't find it again. It might have just been right on the Wikipedia page for the movie that David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. as a kid, got these random, like, Buffalo, New York TV stations that they weren't supposed to get. Yeah, right. And, and he was, like, always afraid that he was going to see something that wasn't meant to be seen. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> the, the reason I love that is just because, like, it remi- it reminds me why I like horror movies. Just, like... This part of your mind as a kid that thought yeah. anything was possible or that, like, didn't know what was real and not didn't yeah. know what was real, but just, like, expected anything and would go off on these daydreams of, like, crazy shit that could happen. Yeah, yeah, like a, a tangent kind of fantasy on, like, the, the, the craziest thing that could happen uh, off, yeah. off of, like, an everyday thing. Yep. Yeah, so, like, horror movies, for me, definitely, just, like, a childhood-type thing. Like, it, it brings me back. Yeah, I mean, a lot of great horror movies, I feel like when you look at the story, it was inspired by something that happened as a kid, and just, like, thinking about, like, the worst possible uh, scenario that, that that could have brought about, and I, I feel like those are some of the best movies that, 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 that we've seen. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of horror movies are, the kids are the main characters, even. Yeah, exactly, exactly, it's, it's, it's that imagination that's, that's running wild. Yeah. Um, that, that's really interesting, though, because I, I feel like when I was a kid... And I used to, like, try to, you know, I mean, when, when we were kids, I guess we grew up in, like, the age of cable, so, like, we were trying to work with, like, is, watch, like, scrambled images on, on, like, a cable box. So this was obviously, I don't know, what, like, 60s, 70s, where he's talking about where he was uh, looking at the TV and scared of what he's going to see. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that def- definitely wasn't the uh, experience when we were kids. I feel like we were trying to see past the, uh, the scrambled images. Yeah, hoping to catch a boob past the... <laughs> The exactly. fuzz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't remember, I remember being scared of it, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, and, and this movie came out in the 80s. Uh, do you know, like, uh, what was happening in... Because uh, I, I almost feel like this was trying to hit on maybe where TV was as far as the technology and where, like, broadcast was as a technology. Like, do you know anything about, uh, you know, what, what the perception of TV was at that time that might have influenced the storyline? Hmm. I don't. I know that, uh, I feel like, God, this is going to show my ignorance of history, but I feel like we were kind of in the throes of the Cold War at that point, which may have mm-hmm. shaped some of this movie. Like, There's one little kind of part that they, a quote that I think may come from that. Uh-huh. But as far as TV goes, I'm not too sure. I know MTV launched like right around the time of this movie or a little bit after probably okay. like a year or two after i'm not sure so yeah. like we were definitely like just learning and digging in i mean tv had been around for decades but sure um i think it was it was all drastically changing and i think that mtv and again that was probably after this movie but it was one of the few things that was on like through the night like oh yeah Back then, signals, mm-hmm. like, cut out. Like, the last show was on, and then it was done. Like, you couldn't watch TV all night. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I think it was probably yeah. just, like, America was getting more... Excuse me. North America was getting more and more, <laughs> like, 
addicted to TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, like, growing up in the 80s, like, that's something we always heard is, you know, you got to limit your TV. Or That was, like, a big fear, I feel like, when we were growing up. Like, oh, one day everyone's going to be, like, hooked on these things. Yeah. Um, and, like, uh, violence, I think, in, in TV and movies was getting pretty bad then, too. Yeah, you're right. That was, that was a huge concern. Um, it, I don't know that this might be related, but um, I actually, like, this TV deals a lot with, like, video cassettes and, and tapes and things like that. And it, uh, I think VHS came out in the late 70s and, like, was really getting adopted in the early 80s. So, um, you know, that, that, that could have played into the, this idea of, like, the fear of, like, something you would watch on a tape and influencing you. Yeah, for sure. And, like, homemade recorders, like, what you could record and who could broadcast right. it. and mm-hmm. Probably the ease yeah, exactly. of, like, everyday folks getting being able to... Uh, to get stuff out there yeah yeah exactly man have you ever heard of i meant to like research this and write it down and i didn't it's uh the max headroom incident if you does Mm -hmm. that ring a bell no i've never heard of that i think it's max headroom there's this character who was i think he was like a spokesman for coca-cola he was just like this random tv character with like a big stupid face and sunglasses if you saw it you'd probably recognize it Mm -hmm. but randomly this i think it was a chicago news station had their signal interrupted by somebody who had a mask of this character on and they were just like being goofy um and it was just like a live tv broadcast that got interrupted and the anchor man was like whoa sorry i don't know what that was (laughs) and then uh uh-huh. I think later on that night, there was an episode of Doctor Who that was interrupted. And it was just wow. this dude, like, talking nonsense. And uh, So he, like, hijacked the airwaves? Yeah, yeah, they hijacked the airwaves. Wow. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I would encourage you and anyone listening who isn't familiar to uh, YouTube Max Headroom Incident. It's, like, really dumb and, like, super amateur. Uh-huh. But kind of creepy, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun kid to that. I'll definitely look that look into that. Yeah, it's I've if you research it it'll say like it took like sophisticated equipment to make this happen, but the people who did it just feel like they're like, Oh holy shit, we're on the air and they're like making he's just like saying random stuff. Yeah, you're just broadcasting to like the entire continent. That, that that's crazy. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think, uh, you know, I, I can kind of see, like, you know, I, I can imagine, like, at a time when this technology was coming out, VHS was coming out, broadcast was kind of still up in the air in terms of, like, you know, who, who could control it and everything. This kind of plays into, like, all the, the fears that could be associated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this movie, we'll get more into it as we describe the plot, but it's kind of prescient in a lot of ways and predicts the future a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has some, like philosophical musings that kind of came to fruition yeah technological predictions wow yeah yeah and i'd be interested to hear what what, what your take is on that and i I think a lot of it is kind of relatable to some of the new technologies we're working with today as well yeah 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 um this movie didn't do great It, it is a cult classic like you said it didn't do great at the box office um really yeah, it was a six million ish budget, and it only brought in like two million dollars. Ooh, wow! A yeah. six million dollar budget. I never know though what those figures are like. Like I just I rented this movie 
recently. Like, is that's not included in the number. Like, are they still making money off this movie? I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how all that works. I mean, I imagine someone's getting some kind of royalty or something. Well, actually, I don't know how that works on video rentals. Yeah, me neither. Me neither at all. Yeah, but okay, so it was a commercial flop, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I could see that. I, I don't know if this like has like mass appeal or something that would have been uh, gone after. I mean, it was kind of a, a bit out there ahead of its time. Uh, kind of trippy. Yeah, that is, it's a weird one. I, I, I don't know how it would have performed in theaters. My local video store has... I've yet to see like a big list, but some of their DVDs, if you open them up, they'll like have written, handwritten in their top 50 weirdest. Uh-huh. I think they've like come up with a little top 50 weirdest movies list, and this was on there. This is, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would have put this in there as well. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that, that's disappointing. Um, uh, it, it, I'm surprised, like, even, like, you know, it, it being, like, popular and, like, well-reviewed uh, now, like, that it hasn't kind of earned back uh, all... It, it, it's interesting, because, it, uh, I mean, I'm surprised the budget was so high, because part of it felt pretty low-tech production-wise, but I guess maybe for its time, some of the scenes you see in terms of, like, the, the graphics of, like, the body horror or, like, the TV effects, maybe those are pretty costly back in the day. Yeah, I actually feel like they were pretty good for 1983, and they were doing some weird stuff. It wasn't really, like, yeah. run-of-the-mill effects. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like all the stuff they were doing, like, I could have done. Uh, like, <laughs> like right now. <laughs> like, what, what was the craziest thing they did, like, effect-wise? Like, have something protruding from the TV? Or the, or the, 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 the hole in the, in the torso? What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, I guess I thought the like TV when the TV was like throbbing and pulsating, and um, he was kind of like yeah. in the TV or like pushing himself into the TV. Like that looked pretty good for nineteen eighty three. I guess. I guess. I don't know. When I when I watched it, I'm like, yeah, the, that TV is obviously like just like kind of a cloth, and there's someone in there like putting their hand on the top, or there's like a balloon instead of the screen, and he's putting. It, but 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 yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe for the time, they they, they were doing something else and more creative. Yeah, it's it's definitely not like a. I, I don't think there was a lot of CGI involved in this, was there? No, not at all. That all would have been CGI today. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. did you recognize anybody? Uh, James Wood. He he looks very familiar. Well, first off, I, it, is it just me or does like a young James Wood look like an old Macaulay Culkin? An old who? Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. <laughs> Do they look exactly the same? Um. Huh. I guess I could see that. I think Macaulay Culkin probably wishes he looked like James Woods as an old. I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. I, I, I don't know. Did, I mean, uh, are you familiar with with him and like James Wood and like his work and everything? I'm not super familiar, but I've definitely seen him. I mean, he's like an Oscar-nominated, Golden Globe winner actor, so he's definitely a big name. Um, I yeah. recognized him from. I recently saw the movie Casino, and he was in that. And okay, he's been in miscellaneous stuff. I didn't bother writing it all down because he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I think I only recognize him as like a, a side character, and uh, mostly from his role in Scary Movie Two. I think that's probably like the only movie. Oh, I've interesting. Seen him in where he plays like the preacher at the beginning, but I don't um, know if I have seen his other movies. Fun fact. He was in a movie with an actress named Sean Young, 
who uh-huh. you may recognize as Lieutenant Einhorn from Ace Ventura. <laughs> and she, uh-huh. he sued her for stalking him. Really? Yeah. Oh my the, god. The suit was settled out of court, but that was kind of a fun fact. I think that that actress was a bit of a character from. Really? Is she the one that turns out to be the guy at the end of Ace Ventura? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I was recently like doing some digging on her because she was in the original Blade Runner, which Kelly and I recently watched. Uh huh. She was beautiful. I mean, she was attractive in Ace Ventura too, but. She's in the new Blade Runner? The old one. Oh, in the old one. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, that, 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 that makes sense. Uh, that, uh, I mean, I, I, I could see that, that, uh, that, that he would get some, uh, words on him. But I, I think he actually got accused of, uh, uh, sexual misconduct here in the last year, right? Did he? Oh, I, I missed that. I think so. I think two people have come out and spoken against him, but, uh, I, I don't know if he's taking any heat for it yet or not. Um, well, he definitely, like, grabs a secretary's butt in the television <laughs> studio <laughs> in this yes. movie. Yeah, I saw that. It's always funny to watch these old movies and kind of like what oh, was yeah. just like considered okay back then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, did, I, go, I also thought. Go it was, ahead. Oh, I was I was blown away. Like I just found this out that the the actress who plays uh, Nikki, his his mm-hmm. love interest, is the lead singer for Blondie. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, nice. She once claimed to be lured into a car by Ted Bundy, the serial killer. In the seventies, wow. but oh escaped, she says, and she still like went on to do like a horror movie. Yeah, Snopes That's... says that this is not true. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but I don't know if she was confused or maybe it was some other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, did did, did you re- recognize her from? Is she, has she been like any other movies or anything, or anything you recognize her from? Or I. I had a Blondie album for a while and enjoyed it, and I I just knew of her. So when I saw the name Debbie Harry, I knew it was her. Yeah. Um, okay. I've actually never listened to Blondie, but uh, they, pretty they, good. I, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they, in case any listeners aren't familiar with Blondie, the song "Heart of Glass" was was by them. I think that was like ooh. 1979 or something like that. Wow. Uh, so I'll give that a listen. Sounds like a very yeah. song I probably heard. I, if you if you play it, you'll be like, oh yeah, this song. Oh okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you hear the name all the time. Um, yeah. Anyone anyone else in the movie you recognize? I did not recognize anybody else. No. How about you? No, I just figured you know it's James Wood and a bunch of other Canadians that I've never heard of. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, was... All right. Well, I'm gonna drop my Northeast Ohio connection and then we'll take oh, a quick God. break and do nice. the plot. <laughs> <laughs> this one's kind of like cheating almost. Okay. But uh, Debbie Harry, who plays the uh, James Woods love interest, Nikki Brand, was the lead singer of Blondie, as you said, and Blondie was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. (laughs) And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, of course, in Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. (laughs) Northeast Ohio connection nailed. Good job. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Manuel, do you want to take a quick break before we get into the thick of the plot? Sounds good. Okay. And while we take a break, I rented this DVD from the rental store in my neighborhood, and I can't find it, so I'm going to use this time to look for it. (laughs) All right. All right. Good luck. Okay, thanks. Yep. 
right, we are back, and, uh, you know, this is silly of me, but I totally forgot that I left it in the giant incision that I have in my abdomen. Ah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually the first place you gotta look, right? Yeah, I store things there from time to time. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what that cavity's for. In my vertical kangaroo pouch. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, I'm really excited to hear you uh, talk about the plot of this movie, because I'm not still entirely sure I understand most of what happened, and I'm looking forward to hearing you explain, explain oh, the storyline. gosh. I wish myself good luck, because this is, like, a pretty convoluted plot. It, it was As I was watching it, I was like, shit, I have to describe this. Yeah, it's probably best that, like, all the listeners probably take a few drugs before, uh, you know, get, get, get coped, uh, yeah, hopped up on something. To help yeah. understand what, what happens here. Yeah. So listeners, just bear with me. It may not sound that confusing uh, as we go, but I kind of was a little bit confused throughout the movie. Um, and even like as I was going through the plot, I had to like look at the Wikipedia plot description. It was like, <laughs> wait, this seems... Yeah. Yeah. It kind of jumps around almost. But it does, anyway, yeah. I think the movie starts with a woman talking to Max and she's kind of like wake up you've got a meeting and and she's like no this isn't a dream so right away you're kind of put into this state that you often are in with these like psychological horror movies where you're like I'm not totally sure what's real and what isn't mm-hmm. um, at yeah. least I was in that state yeah yeah it feels a little surreal right right off the start like some yeah woman on the TV telling you what to do or what's going yeah. on yeah. So uh, anyway, oh, go ahead. Oh, it, it, that 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 scene kind of reminded me of like modern day like Siri. Like when you wake up and you check your phone, and it's like here, here are all the meetings you have uh, for today, or you know here's the weather for today, or something. And it was kind of like that version, but like in the '80s, where it's someone on the TV telling, like waking you up and telling you, "Hey, this is what you've got going on today." Yeah, this movie did a good job of predicting the future. Like, yeah, in kind <laughs> of roundabout wrong. ways that weren't quite right, but kind of <laughs> ended up being right with just different technology exactly yeah um okay so let's see she she appears on the screen and uh you see james woods there in bed he gets up and then we kind of cut to some scenes of him in the office and it becomes clear that he's the president of this tv station in toronto that's kind of trashy and shows softcore porn and gratuitous violence um in the, in the beginning, he's, like, taking a meeting with these, I think, Japanese businessmen who are trying to, like, sell him a softcore porn TV show. Um, yeah. And one of those actors went on to hold office, political office in Ontario, and his opponent, like, used this to smear him, the fact that he was <laughs> in this movie selling porn. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Max is in this scene, uh, you know, trying to decide whether or not to put this on his TV station, and he's kind of musing, like, we need something more hardcore. Like, he wants the next big thing that's, like, going to shock viewers. Yeah, he's really uh, pushing the envelope there. Yeah, he's an envelope pusher. Mm-hmm. And he then we cut to a scene where he meets his guy, Harlan, who presumably is on his payroll, and they show a scene of like a giant satellite like scanning the skies from the top of a building. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gather that this guy Harlan is like scanning the airwaves to intercept signals for Max, 
uh, I'm not totally sure like what that mission is, but he shows Max this signal that he's stumbled upon called Videodrome. Like they show a title at the beginning of the signal called where it says Videodrome on the screen. And it's essentially plotless TV that depicts realistic torture and murder. Um, and Max is like, you know, into it. He's like, God, this so, looks so realistic. And like, this could be the next big thing that viewers want. Right. Uh, and so he's like, Harlan, like, do what you can to find this. Harlan thinks it's coming from Malaysia. And they leave their little meeting knowing that like Harlan's going to keep digging into it. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to Max on a random talk show uh, where he's kind of, like, defending his station's use of violence and sex. Like, he's basically on the show as a controversial figure who heads this TV channel. Um, and his the other guests on the show include a radio host who's kind of like a psychiatrist as well. I don't know if she really is, but her show is, like, emotional s- support. Yeah, like a uh, like a eighties Frasier. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and so eighties Frasier is Debbie Harry. Uh, her character's name is Nikki Brand. Um, so she's a guest on the show, and this professor, who's kind of like a pop culture analyst or philosopher, who's named Doctor Oblivion. Uh, is another guest on the show, but he only appears on the show like through a TV. Like the host is sitting there, you've got James Woods and Debbie Harry in a chair, and then they've got a TV set up with this guy's image on the yeah. TV. So it's like kind of like a Skype call from 1983. <laughs> yeah. What, what was up with his name being uh, Oblivion? Like like in the Irish kind of O apostrophe uh, Oblivion. What, what was up with that? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for clarifying. I have no idea why. <laughs> but yeah, O apostrophe Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, yeah typical Irish name. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was really funny when it's like, yeah, I refuse to appear on TV. I only appear on TV on a TV. <laughs> like, I had to be on a TV. To be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was really is, funny. Yeah. So the host of this show, this talk show, kind of confronts Max about, like, what do you think about what you're culture like what your show what your channel of like violence and sex is doing to our culture and max is kind of like i think it's better for people to have a safe outlet for this kind of stuff than to be doing it in reality and i like provide that service to them uh and then i can't remember nikki brand kind of muses on it too i can't remember exactly what she says but he says like your dress is like stimulating sexuality <laughs> right now or yeah and she's like okay yeah i admit it and he's like i'd like to take you out to dinner tonight <laughs> yeah just on live tv he kind of asks her out yeah he like asks her out yeah. on live tv and they're flirting yeah uh meanwhile the host goes over to dr oblivion on the tv and he kind of starts musing on how he thinks like video and tv are the futures of our reality um yeah. And he says something to the effect of, like, in the future, like, all of us will have special names like, yeah. for the video. Which right. I thought was kind of prescient, because, like, we do now, like, with our Twitter handles and, like, YouTube usernames, like... Yeah, I mean, true. not totally, but, uh... Yeah, no, that, that, of, that, yeah. 
we have like uh like virtual names for like our our like social media space pretty much yeah for like our virtual selves yeah yeah it's like a different reality where we're like different people yeah we yeah that's interesting so i feel like that was more so in the 90s when you had like aol and and uh and things like it was that game like called second life or something where you could create a character Whereas yeah. uh, today, I, I feel like with Facebook and Twitter and stuff, you kind of know who everyone is. I mean, there isn't like a lot more. I feel like that anonymity of uh, of social media might 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 have. Uh, I don't know if it's still there as much, but yeah, yeah, you definitely yeah. corrected something. Yeah, it's true. Um, so anyway, Max and Nikki do end up going out on a date, um, and he brings her back to his apartment. And she's like out of the blue, like got any pornography? Uh, to to be uh, fair, that that was like all we like. We, they didn't go out to dinner or anything, right? They just like he's he like goes to her radio station to pick her up. Then the next thing they're like at his apartment, like trying to watch porno, right? Yeah, I kind of assumed that they had gone out to dinner beforehand because they uh, were like a little dressed up, maybe. I hope so. Maybe <laughs> he just picked her up. <laughs> yeah, they went straight to his place to watch some porn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, they're back at his apartment. She asks if he has porn. He's like, I got this thing video drone. Um, and he shows it to her and she like actually becomes aroused by it. There's like a woman being tortured on the screen. Um, and she's like, why don't you take your knife and like cut me on the shoulder? And he (laughs) sees that she already has like cut marks there. Yeah. Uh, so that like she's into this. Somebody else did this to her before. Mm Mm-hmm. And they end up having, like, some sadomasochistic sex, and there's a scene of him, like, putting needles through her ear, like, yeah, piercing is, her ears. This is the part where it gets kind of 50 shades of grayish. Yeah, yeah, so that part's a little, like, weird and gross. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still not, like, super graphic. No, like, no. This movie could be grosser than it is. For sure, yeah. I um, mean, he, yeah, he's basically putting a needle through her ear. I mean, that, that's how you pierce someone's ear anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. Probably. Just go to the mall in a kiosk yeah. and you can see yeah. that. You can see yeah, teenagers do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Go back go back to nineteen eighty three, go to a mall. Yeah. Um, exactly. So eventually, um, Max meets up with Harlan again, his little pirate signal satellite guy. And Harlan tells him he thought Videodrome was coming from Malaysia, but it turns out it's coming from Pittsburgh. Uh and then eventually we cut to a scene where Nikki says she's going to Pittsburgh on business. And she's like, hey, isn't that where Videodrome is filmed? Like, I might audition mm-hmm. and to like be a contestant on the show because they still don't really know if it's real. Like, I think they assume it's just fake. Like, yeah. It, it's an acted show. Yep. Um, and he cautions her against it. I think part of him thinks it could be real. Like, this could be dangerous. Yeah, yep. And she's like, I was made for that show. So, like, clearly she's into this S&M yeah. stuff. It's pretty impressionable to her, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, while Nikki's gone, Max does some further digging on Videodrome. And he finds out from a contact that he has that Videodrome is real. Uh, and it's got kind of like a deeper philosophical agenda than it appears to. He doesn't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he finds out that Dr. Oblivion, our kind of talking head from the TV, within a TV, from the talk show, is somehow involved in it. 
he tracks down Dr. Oblivion <laughs> by finding him at this like mission to help homeless people called the Cathode Ray Mission where they like bring in homeless people and give them food and shelter and like let them watch tons of TV. Like <laughs> Yeah. It, it looks like a big office building with a bunch of cubicles. Yeah. And they all have TVs in them. Like yeah. and it's just homeless people watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty interesting. That, that, that part like felt really like kind of futuristic and sci-fi like it was an interesting social commentary of like in the, at some point like people are going into these things and watching TV to feel like they're assimilated to its society. I, th- I thought that was like kind of an interesting uh, commentary. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's all kind of like based on Dr. Oblivion's philosophy that like he thinks TV is the new reality. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, let's see. So he goes there to find Dr. Oblivion and he finds uh, Dr. Oblivion's daughter, Bianca. Um, and I can't remember. Oh, and she explains that like her father only communicates via these like recorded video cassettes like he won't talk to anybody in person and she says this is another thing i thought was kind of accidentally prescient the monologue is his preferred format for like discussion and argument Ooh, interesting and that's kind of like our facebook world today where you just you're like yeah kind of talking to yourself and you have the opportunity to like type out this giant response you're not right talking uh thinking on your feet like in a discussion you're right yeah less like conversation dialogue oriented more just kind of like uh standing on a soapbox and talking yeah yeah interesting yeah i feel like she kind of says that almost like as a nudge like that's how he was yeah uh Mm -hmm. or how he is excuse me spoiler Mm -hmm. um so let's see so he's like maybe uh I'll, i'll let him know he like mentions videodrome and she seems kind of shaken that he even knows that max even knows what it is she doesn't seem and, to uh, recognize, like, when he brings up video drum, like, I, I felt like she didn't even recognize, uh, like, I, at that point, like, what video drum, drum was, right? I, I thought she, she did, because she, she kind of, like, looked away and was like, is that a Japanese format? Because she's like, she asked him, like, would you like VHS or Betamax? And he's yeah. like, how about video drum? Yeah. Anything she kind of let on? I, I think she, I think she, yeah. Okay. I think she knew. Yeah. Okay. Um. But he was like, she was like, he'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to my dad, and if he wants to talk to you, he'll, you'll be hearing from him via a video tape. Yep. Um, okay, let's see. So what's next? Later on, he's back at his apartment, and he like gets out a gun. So I think he's just like starting to get a little scared or paranoid, and he like brushes off his old pistol. And he hears a knock on his door, and it's his secretary who was, uh, that's who the movie opened with, like, her previous video recording of, like, the meetings Mm -hmm. he had for the day. So she's dropping off, uh, a cassette that's, like, his wake-up video for the next day, and another cassette. And that's when he's, I think that's the first sign of him hallucinating. Like, she goes to put his cassettes in the VCR. Yeah. Um video drones in the vcr and he goes over and like smacks her in the face yeah and like as she's recovering from the smack she turns into uh nikki brand right Debbie harry's character mm-hmm. and then he's like oh god I, i'm sorry i i hit you and then she's back to his secretary and she's like you didn't hit me right yeah. so it's clear he's hallucinating now yeah and he's like oh sorry i'm, I'm just tired um 
and he like shuffles her out the door and as he she's leaving she's like hey by the way one of those te- videotapes came from Dr. Oblivion's office so he watches it um and that's when Dr. Oblivion like says to him like Videodrome is part of a battle for the mind of North America um, <laughs> the fight for North America <laughs> yeah yeah uh, he says, my- like, the battle mm-hmm. will be fought in the video arena, hence the name Videodrome. Yep. Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, do you think Mexico's included in that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. I feel like maybe just by generosity at this point. All right. <laughs> in 1983. Yeah, yeah. They're being inclusive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, Dr. Oblivion explains, like, he got a brain tumor that caused hallucinations from Videodrome. And he says, like, I was Videodrome's first victim. And you see him getting strangled on the video right? by a masked figure. And the figure pulls off the mask, and it's Debbie Harry, Nikki Brand. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you don't really know what of that was true or hallucination or what at least i didn't yeah yeah i feel like at this part of the movie like yeah you, you're kind of going in and out of reality you don't know what what's real what he's hallucinating it starts to get a little blurry yeah um and then the tv starts like throbbing and pulsing and nikki brand is like in the tv like come join me max and yeah the TV is like this seductive, like throbbing <laughs> being that's like coaxing him in. He like sticks his face in the screen. Yep. Uh, I don't think anything really comes of that. They just kind of it's like a hallucination trip out, and then they cut to the next scene, right? Yep. Yeah, I think so. I feel like I'm describing this plot in too much detail, but I think it's kind of necessary. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think he eventually, like, finds his way back to Bianca, Dr. Oblivion's daughter, and is like, uh, can you explain this videotape to me? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the plot gets kind of revealed a bit more. And I can't remember if you find all of this out just then or, or later. But her dad is dead. Uh, he was killed by Videodrone, and he's got just all these recordings that he did which is how he like has appearances on talk shows and stuff they just like find the right recording um to play on the talk show yeah and he was working on videodrome uh with some partners and then he like got hesitant about it and they essentially killed him um mm-hmm. and they I think he realized what it really was and it is like a signal which there's like a disease almost embedded in the signal that gives the viewer a brain tumor right that will cause hallucinations and eventually kill them yeah and the like motivation of his partners in this was essentially to purge north america of the lowlifes who watch this kind of crap like oh, extreme sex it. and violence mm-hmm. which i didn't even catch necessarily in the movie but was in the wikipedia plot yeah i didn't get that either i mean they kept saying like it's a battleground and they're fighting for north america and like against the weak but i didn't realize who the enemy was 
Yeah, I didn't really catch that either. I do remember them saying North America is getting soft while the rest of the world is getting tough. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of, I thought maybe it was like a Cold War, Cold War type commentary, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, right, right. Um, um, what, what one thing uh, I, I don't know if you went into the detail about this though is is uh, while he's watching that video, like uh, there's a scene where uh, I mean you mentioned the gun, but like where like he hallucinates that like his stomach basically opens up into the like a, a stomach uh, like cavity or something, and he like puts the gun in there and loses it. Yeah, and that was what my little lead-in or uh, gimmick was referencing like yeah right. i didn't know what scene that was in but yeah they show like he's got a like vertical incision incision in his abdomen or just like a wound yeah that like opens up and he can like put things in there and take them out of there. <laughs> yeah yeah he can put things in there hold, hold on to it for a while and then get it get it as he needs it uh yeah. which i they never really explain like why it happens like suddenly he's like sitting around with a gun like watching that tape that uh oblivion sent him and uh, something like he just was like, oh, I got this opening in my stomach, and he puts the gun in there for some reason, and then pulls his hand out, and the gun is gone, and he's just like looking all over for it, and you just assume like it's got in his stomach then, but they never really explain yeah. like how, how how he got that, uh, like where that cavity came from. Yeah, it's weird, and uh, yeah, it gets trippy, and there's not necessarily explanations for things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I kind of like fall apart and like we've already been talking for a long time so I don't know how much more detail to go into but eventually it's revealed that uh, there's a plot by the people that created Videodrome to get Max to show Videodrome on his station so they can infect more people Mm -hmm. so it becomes apparent that Harlan the dude that caught the video signal on that satellite is actually a plant by these people who are behind Videodrome yeah. Uh, he wanted Max to see it so that Max could get infected and so that the signal could be put on Max's station. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we eventually meet this dude, Barry Convex, who's one of the people behind Videodrome. And he ends up like inserting a Betamax tape into Max's stomach hole. And in a weirdly graphic and trippy scene. Yeah. And it seems like that's what kind of brainwashes Max to go do the things he does next, which is murder some of his colleagues at the TV station. Right. Uh, Which that was actually kind of a scary scene just because anything with like public shooters... Like sure. a, sh- a shooter in a public place is terrifying. These yeah, days. these days, I mean, that's not like something you, you take lightly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I think he goes to murder Bianca Oblivion, Dr. Oblivion's daughter. And then she ends up showing Max a video of Nikki being strangled to death on Videodrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that like snaps him to his senses or if she somehow like re-brainwashes him to like go after the people behind Videodrome. Do you remember? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. I, I guess seeing that video somehow convinced him that, like, oh, Videodrome and, and, and the makers are the enemy, and it's not like... Like, I, I don't know why he was trying to kill Bianca in the first place, but for some for some reason they had, like, kind of brainwashed him to think that's what he had to do, and then when she shows him the video, like, for some reason he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to go kill the people who make Videodrome. I, 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 I couldn't really follow that, uh, the logic. 
Yeah, me neither. Maybe they thought she knew too much or something. Okay. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, what what was she doing with it? Uh, not nothing really. She's just running like that that shelter. Yeah, she's just kind of laying low. Yeah. Which like, why wouldn't you call? It? There's so many like, open ended questions. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. The plot's just really convoluted. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he ends up killing Harlan. Uh, the guy who works for him, who showed him video drone, because he was essentially employed by the video drone dudes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, he kills. It, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, like in a pretty graphic scene, like Harlan like goes to put like another video cassette inside of uh, inside of Max, and uh, he puts his hand in there, and it, I, I, like what, like his stomach, like basically eats his hand and like pulls out. I think out. his stomach, yeah, like eats Harlan's hand. Yeah. And then, and then Harlan, like, explodes and blows yeah. up a wall. Yeah, which, why did he explode? I don't know. He just, like, blows up and, and in the process, like, opens up a hole in the wall and then uh, Max just, like, walks out of the, the building. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty convenient. Yeah. And, the, again, the things like that happen, you go back to, like, is this really happening? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah, most of the uh, movie, like, uh, that's kind of how I felt, like, how much of this is in his head? How much of it's actually going on? Can't really tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he goes and murders Barry Convex, the dude who is like behind Video Drone, who mm-hmm. shoved the video tape into his belly. And when he kills him, his body just starts like oozing and pulsating and like growing and throbbing. Like, yeah, there's something alive still within him. Yeah, some kind of like alien form almost like uh, starts to show or come up or something. There's something like really weird. The yeah, way his body which, like decays. Yeah. Never explained. Yeah. Um, so after he kills those people, he ends up like taking refuge on a boat or something. Mm-hmm. And he, there's a TV in the boat. Uh, and Nikki Brand appears on the TV and she tells him like, he's done a good job, but to completely defeat... Videodrome, he has to ascend to the next level and leave the old flesh. Right. She kind of don't know what that means, but then the video de- shows a depiction of him, Max, shooting himself in the head. Yep. And when he does it, the TV like explodes and blood and guts go everywhere from the TV. Mm-hmm. So he sees that and thinks, okay, like I have to kill myself. So he says, long live the new flesh which is kind of like a tagline for the movie. Yeah. Like a quote that horror nerds repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kills himself. And then I think it just cuts to black, right? Once he pulls the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end of the film. That's the end of the movie. He just shoots himself. It didn't <laughs> make... What'd you say? No, yeah. I mean, I'm just... It's such a, like, a convoluted plot. And, yeah, like, half the time you don't know what's real, what's what's hallucinating, what he's hallucinating, and so, so many things, like, unexplained... Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. So I've, it's kind of a cult classic for how weird it is and trippy. Uh, and I think it has a lot of value for the commentary it made on the future. Yeah. I think it's a good movie, but it was just too all over the place plot-wise for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me too. Uh, it, it was really weird. I, I think you're right. There are a lot of interesting parallels you can draw bet- between the message uh and the technology fears that they had back then, and which way society was going, and where we are today, 
I like what do you, what do you think really happened in this movie? Like I I want to think a lot of it is like a commentary on how like graphic and violent TV was becoming that like most of this movie was like a hallucination in his head and how like this normal guy suddenly goes on and becomes like this crazy kind of serial killer who at the end kills himself. Um, but I, I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I thought that it, at the setup of the movie, I thought, oh, this is either going to be like a great commentary on how like consumed people are by their TVs or how much violence and sex is affecting us. Yeah. And it, maybe it was trying to, but it kind of ended up not being so, um, I mean, I guess he was infected by what he watched, which is, you know, pretty clear the point that's probably trying to make. Yeah. But the whole subplot of, like, a group of people trying to kill off a population or a yeah. portion of the U.S. North American population yeah. by what they're... Huh. But is, Maybe is there... that made the point of, like, we, the people in charge are trying to dumb down the population. Oh, sure. crap. Yeah, media manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Like keeping the masses occupied. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, 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 that, 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 yeah, that, that, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that theme, but yeah, that, that could be a big, big thing there. Because it's it interesting, like, the, the people behind this, uh, like, they, the, the, it was a company called um, Spectacular Optical Corporation, and, and they did two things. One is, like, they made glasses for people. And the second was like they developed like nuclear weapons or something for like Nomad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to show like kind of like yeah, there's this corporation out there that's running the media, and like has this like front facing side where they're doing glasses, but on the back end they're developing weapons, and then they're also like uh, you know brainwashing people and, and uh, trying to control them. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was interesting. I kind of left that part out just because there were so many details. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, in essence, I mean, you could see this as like a way, like maybe he was like, he stands as like the humanity kind of protesting uh, the, these kind of institutions that are trying to brainwash us. But I, I, I'm still like kind of wondering if that was it or if it's showing that, that this guy just like started hallucinating all this stuff because he watched so much violence on TV and he just kind of went rogue and like went on this crazy killing rampage uh, that that uh, that ended in him killing himself, but... I don't know. You, you have any theories? On which, I which? don't. Mm-hmm. I don't, and it didn't even really sink into me how much that they kind of did stick with the theme, just because he ended up becoming violent. Uh, but it was just like such a convoluted thing that he was like infected with this brain tumor. Yeah. That caused the hallucinations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a lot of commentary on here, a lot of different ways to interpret it. Uh, not not very well. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't really... Uh, I, I mean, purposely, I think they left it very open-ended for people to kind of interpret on their own. I, I don't think they were trying to be, like, too prescriptive in terms of what people take away from this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Agreed. And that's the thing about a weird, wacky all over the place is you leave it open. Yeah. Interpretation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which uh, I, did you think this was scary at all? Uh, no. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when we watched uh, Henry, where like in uh, in, in in like the, the concept and everything, and of, of like someone being uh, you know turned into a killer based on like kind of what what they watch, and and the idea of like a government taking over. I mean, these are scary concepts, but I don't I don't feel like the movie 
uh, fits into the horror category. More so, it fits into like the sci-fi or anything. But I, I didn't feel there were too many scary elements. What, what about you? Yeah, I think it fits into horror just because of the subject matter. But it wasn't scary at all. I don't even think it was meant to be scary. It was meant to be more of like a sci-fi trippy experience. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like, what 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 movie would you say is like comparable to this? Uh, uh, like, you know, I you ever see uh, that movie Lawnmower Man? I never have. Oh, okay. I think it came out like maybe early '90s, late '80s, but it's a similar concept where it's like someone getting into virtual reality, and and and, and that part kind of starts becoming scary, and and using technology in a scary way. But yeah, the, these movies they they they're more I, I feel like sci-fi and like uh, trying to like portray like a scary future or like scary things that technology can do but aren't necessarily your typical horror movies right yeah it was actually blade runner is oh yeah similar it's kind of just like a dystopian future type thing yeah yeah exactly yeah i'd kind of put it in that category as well um i i saw some parallels to like what what about like the ring because like in, in this like you watch the video once and like it starts like create a brain tumor or something that changes you and, and makes you kind of crazy and like no one survives kind of like the ring today where you know you, you watch that video and it, you die like seven days later yeah the ring actually i don't know if it's still directly from this but it is a similar concept of like watching something that somehow yeah. infects you yeah yeah exactly or influences you yeah which i just like for some reason it didn't dawn on me that like oh you watch something that influences you is a commentary on like how we're being shaped by the media we consume right yeah yeah we're being brainwashed kind of yeah i I think that's what they were going for here is is trying to make that uh the parent yeah um that i mean like for you know that tv he sees like when when he goes into the ship at the end or into that abandoned boat and he's sitting there and suddenly like suddenly like a tv show uh a tv shows up and there's like a video on it i mean that none of that could have happened for real right no well i don't know and yeah that was is there like there's something supernatural about videodrome yeah apparently or like some sort of technology we don't yet understand like yeah it had the power to infect people like give people tumors like how did that happen how is it explained uh and yeah you never really know although i think you can assume like whether or not those people are really actually being tortured and murdered on Videodrome signal. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I would guess that they are. I think so, yeah. But they, yeah, And they make really... an excuse that, like, it's so violent because it, like, opens up something in people's minds, some, like, primal part of their brains that, like, allows the tumor to settle in. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty loose uh, explanation. Uh... <laughs> I, I didn't get how, you know, when he gets that tape from Oblivion that kind of, like, talks to him and tells him what Videodrome is. Uh, if Oblivion was dead, how do, how do you make that video? Right. So part of that video, I think, could have been recorded ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But, like, then the part where he says... It's kind of general at first, but then he says Max, and it gets more specific. Yeah. And that's when I think it might become a hallucination because you see Debbie Harry's character kill yeah, him, which right. wouldn't have happened because he's been dead for years. Yeah, exactly. 
so I think part of it was the generic message that he pre-recorded, and part was a hallucination. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a very confusing uh, movie, and uh, yeah, it definitely goes back and forth between reality and maybe things that aren't happening uh, quite, a, quite a bit, which leaves the, I think, viewer pretty confused at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And I, personally, I don't really like, I'm definitely down to watch more of any type of horror movie, but I don't necessarily like ones where I don't know what's reality. In the, I mean, all horror movies, or a lot of supernatural horror movies are a lot like that to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. even in The Shining, it's like, is this actually happening, or is it just in the people's heads, or yeah. is the hotel putting it in their heads? Yeah. But I don't necessarily like a movie where you don't necessarily know if, like, plot points are even real or not. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like, makes me concentrate too hard, and then I, like, can't sit back and enjoy the movie. Yeah, because you don't know what to believe. You're kind of, like, thinking, ah, you know, that's just in his head. We don't know if that actually happened or not. It kind of makes you take certain scenes less seriously than other scenes. uh, Or Mm -hmm. kind of help, like, you might dismiss certain scenes and just assume it's uh, an illusion. Um, I think part of the way they try to balance, like, what was really happening and what wasn't happening was, like, you know, when he goes into the office and, like, kills his, uh, his co-workers, uh, later on, like, he's standing around and, like, on a TV it's showing, like, you know, they're looking for this guy who's killed, uh, uh, who's killed his co-workers and, like, you know, that, I, I think, I feel like there were little clues along the way where they tried to substantiate what was reality versus what might have been in his head, but I, I think not, not, not enough. Yeah. I think by the end of the movie I had a, like, once it finished, I could piece together what was probably real and what was a hallucination. Yeah. But yeah. there's still confusing things. Like, I still don't know why Harlan would explode. Right. I think that was real, but I have no idea why a person would explode in reality. Yeah. I know. <laughs> or why, like, when that uh, when, when that uh, CEO dies of, of that organization, uh, he, like, melts into, like, some kind of weird body. Yeah. Not, not sure what that was. No uh, reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, well, man, what do you think? Uh, zero to five vertical kangaroo pouches. How many? <laughs> how many VKPs would you give this? <laughs> uh, I I think uh, I you know I I'll, I think I'd have to go with like uh, two maybe just because you know I I didn't think it was like that scary. But I thought it was an interesting piece on uh, the, the social commentary. I thought was interesting, and like some of the stuff they predicted for the future was cool and weird concept. But yeah, not not that scary. What about you? I actually give it a three point five. Wow, that's surprisingly Which, high. Yeah, now that we've had the discussion, I'm like, maybe it's just a three. <laughs> I think it was like a really well done movie. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't like a lot of it. Like <laughs> at first, with the setup and stuff, when you mm-hmm. don't really know for sure what's going on i really liked it because i was like oh this is like cool commentary and like yeah i was interested and then like once the brain tumor stuff got revealed it started falling apart yeah yeah once once it started to get like pretty convoluted that's like kind of where it is stuff to start uh like keep up with it yeah but i was really interested at the beginning yeah i i agree i mean i, I like the beginning and the depiction of like 80s and like piracy back then and uh, that yeah. is, is a cool concept to start off with, but uh, yeah, it kind of kind of dropped off for me. I, I'm surprised. He, I, I feel like he, he, that's pretty good on your part. Two and a half. Uh, that's, that's pretty favorable. Yeah, it is actually. I I don't know. I'm tempted to dial it back to a three. 
<laughs> so me two, three, three and a half. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to dial it back to a three. This is me totally ba- changing it based on our discussion. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll like sometimes come to these like hyped up about a movie and then we'll talk about it. And I'm like, I guess it wasn't that great. What did you, you give it a two, you said? Yeah, I think I would, I would, I would give it a two. Just, uh, yeah, a, a two probably. Yeah. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a, definitely an interesting one, a, a weird one, um, to, you know, pretty unique, innovative. Yeah. 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 Not too bad. Okay. Oh man, I, I can't decide. Maybe I do want to stick the, stick with three point. I'm sticking with the three point five. All right. <laughs> Hold your ground. Yeah. <laughs> For whatever good. the hell that's worth to our zero listeners. <laughs> um, okay, man. Well, anything else you want to add before we? close up shop here no great pick it was it was fun to watch a classic and get exposed to you know something that uh from back in the 80s and get that perspective from back then so so nice work yeah for sure it was was fun to watch i feel more informed as a horror fan now yeah me too we've done our homework (laughs) cool uh well that's all for this episode then uh i hope y'all enjoyed today's discussion about videodrome And if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook, uh, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Check out our Facebook page for what movie we'll be doing next week. And until then, uh, if you stumble across an unknown TV broadcast that contains torture and strangely realistic violence, you might want to consider canceling your cable because get a brain tumor and it's 2018 get on board <laughs> exactly get cable <laughs> yeah netflix is out there yeah <laughs>